0: Section Four of the Wallet of Kai Lung by Ernest Brahma. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One: The Transmutation of Ling, Part Four. Many hours passed before Ling, now more downcast in mind than the most unsuccessful student in Canton, returned to his room and sought his couch of dried rushes. All his efforts to have his distinguished appointment set aside had been without avail, and he had been ordered to reach Si Chow within a week. As he passed through the streets, elegant processions in honor of the winners met him at every corner, and drove him into the outskirts for the object of quietness. There he remained, until the beating of paper drums and the sound of exulting voices could be heard no more. But even when he returned, lanterns shone in many dwellings, for two hundred persons were composing verses, setting forth their renown and undoubted accomplishments, ready to affix to their doors and send to friends on the next day not giving any portion of his mind to this desirable act of behaviour ling flung himself upon the floor and finding sleep unattainable plunged himself into profound meditation of a very uninviting order without doubt he exclaimed evil can only arise from evil and as this person has always endeavoured to lead a life in which his devotions have been equally divided between the sacred emperor his illustrious parents and his venerable ancestors the fault cannot lie with him of the excellence of his parents he has full knowledge regarding the emperor it might not be safe to conjecture it is therefore probable that some of his ancestors were persons of abandoned manner and inelegant habits to worship whom results in evil rather than good otherwise how could it be that one whose chief delight lies in the passive contemplation of the four books and the five classics should be selected by destiny to fill a position calling for great personal courage and an aggressive nature assuredly it can only end in a mean and insignificant death perhaps not even followed by burial in this manner of thought he fell asleep and after certain very base and impressive dreams from which good omens were altogether absent he awoke and rose to begin his preparations for leaving the city after two days spent chiefly in obtaining certain safeguards against treachery and the bullets of foemen, purchasing opium and other gifts with which to propitiate the soldiers under his charge, and in consulting well-disposed witches and readers of the future, he set out, and by travelling in extreme discomfort, reached Si Chow within five days. During his journey he learned that the entire province was engaged in secret rebellion, several towns indeed having declared against the imperial army without reserve. Those persons to whom Ling spoke described the rebels with respectful admiration, as fierce and unnaturally skillful in all methods of fighting, revengeful and merciless towards their enemies, very numerous and above the ordinary height of human beings, and endowed with qualities which made their skin capable of turning aside every kind of weapon. Furthermore, he was assured that a large band of the most abandoned and best trained was at that moment in the immediate neighborhood of Si Chow ling was not destined long to remain in any doubt concerning the truth of these matters for as he made his way through a dark cypress wood a few leagues from the houses of si chow the sounds of a confused outcry reached his ear and on stepping aside to a hidden glade some distance from the path he beheld a young and elegant maiden of incomparable beauty being carried away by two persons of most repulsive and undignified appearance whose dress and manner clearly betrayed them to be rebels of the lowest and worst paid type at this sight ling became possessed of feelings of a savage yet agreeable order which until that time he had not conjectured to have any place within his mind and without even pausing to consider whether the planets were in favorable positions for the enterprise to be undertaken at that time he drew his sword and ran forward with loud cries unsettled in their intentions at this unexpected action the two persons turned and advanced upon ling with whirling daggers discussing among themselves whether it would be better to kill him at the first blow or to take him alive and when the day became sufficiently cool for the full enjoyment of the spectacle submit him to various objectionable tortures of so degraded a nature that they were rarely used in the army of the emperor except upon the person of barbarians observing that the maiden was not bound ling cried out to her to escape and seek protection within the town, adding with a magnanimous absence of vanity, should this person chance to fall, the repose which the presence of so lovely and graceful a being would undoubtedly bring to this departing spirit, would be outbalanced by the unendurable thought that his commonplace efforts had not been sufficient to save her from the too evilly disposed individual who are, as he perceives at this moment, neglecting no means within their power to accomplish his destruction accepting the discernment of these words the maiden fled first bestowing a look upon ling which clearly indicated an honorable regard for himself a high-minded desire that the affair might end profitably on his account and an amiable hope that they should meet again when these subjects could be expressed more clearly between them in the meantime ling had become at a disadvantage for the time occupied in speaking and in making the necessary number of bows in reply to her entrancing glance had given the other persons an opportunity of arranging their charms and sacred written sentences to greater advantage, and of occupying the most favorable ground for the encounter. Nevertheless, so great was the force of the new emotion which had entered into Ling's nature, that without waiting to consider the dangers or the best method of attack, he rushed upon them, waving his sword with such force that he appeared as though surrounded by a circle of very brilliant fire. In this way he reached the rebels, who both fell unexpectedly at one blow, they indeed being under the impression that the encounter had not commenced in reality, and that Ling was merely menacing them in order to inspire their minds with terror and raise his own spirits. However much he regretted this act of the incident which he had been compelled to take, Ling could not avoid being filled with intellectual joy at finding that his own charms and omens were more distinguished than those possessed by the rebels, none of whom, as he now plainly understood, he need fear. Examining these things within his mind, and reflecting on the events of the past few days, by which he had been thrown into a class of circumstances greatly differing from anything which he had ever sought, Ling continued his journey, and soon found himself before the southern gate of Si Chow. Entering the town, he at once formed the resolution of going before the Mandarin for warlike deeds and arrangements, so that he might present without delay the papers and seals which he had brought with him from canton the noble mandarin Li king replied the first person to whom ling addressed himself it would indeed be a difficult and hazardous conjecture to make concerning his sacred person by chance he is in the strongest and best concealed cellar in si chow unless the sumptuous attractions of the deepest dry well have induced him to make a short journey and with a look of great unfriendliness at ling's dress and weapons this person passed on. Doubtless he is fighting single-handed against the armed men by whom the place is surrounded, said another. Or perhaps he is constructing an underground road from the Yamen to Peking, so that we may all escape when the town is taken. All that can be said with certainty is that the heaven-sent and valorous Mandarin has not been seen outside the walls of his well-fortified residence since the trouble arose. But as you carry a sword of conspicuous excellence, you will doubtless be welcome upon making a third attempt ling was more successful for he inquired of an aged woman who had neither a reputation for keen and polished sentences to maintain nor any interest in the acts of the mandarin or of the rebels from her he learned how to reach the yamen and accordingly turned his footsteps in that direction when at length he arrived at the gate ling desired his tablets to be carried to the mandarin with many expressions of an impressive and engaging nature. Nor did he neglect to reward the porter. It was therefore with the expression of a misunderstanding mind that he received a reply setting forth that Lee Keen was unable to receive him. In great doubt he prevailed upon the porter, by means of a still larger reward, again to carry in his message, and on this occasion an answer in this detail was placed before him. Lee Keen, he was informed, is indeed awaiting the arrival of one Ling, a noble and valiant commander of bowmen. He is given to understand that it is true that a certain person claiming the same honoured name is standing in somewhat undignified attitudes at the gate, but he is unable in any way to make these two individuals meet within his intellect. He would further remind all persons that the refined observances laid down by the wise and exalted Board of Rites and Ceremonies have a marked and irreproachable significance when the country is in a state of disorder, the town surrounded by rebels, and every breathing space of time of more than ordinary value. Overpowered with becoming shame at having been connected with so unseemly a breach of civility, for which his great haste had in reality been accountable, Ling hastened back into the town, and spent many hours endeavouring to obtain a chair of the requisite colour in which to visit the Mandarin. In this he was unsuccessful, until it was at length suggested to him that an ordinary chair such as stood for hire in the streets of si chow would be acceptable if covered with blue paper still in some doubt as to what the nature of his reception would be ling had no choice but to take this course and accordingly he again reached the yamen in such a manner carried by two persons whom he had obtained for the purpose while yet hardly at the residence a salute was suddenly fired all the gates and doors were without delay thrown open with embarrassing and hospitable profusion and the mandarin himself passed out and would have assisted ling to step down from his chair had not that person clearly perceiving that such a course would be too great an honour evaded him by an unobtrusive display of versatile dexterity so numerous and profound were the graceful remarks which each made concerning the habits and accomplishments of the other that more than the space of an hour was passed in traversing the small enclosed ground which led up to the principal door of the yamen there an almost greater time was agreeably spent both ling and the mandarin having determined that the other should enter first undoubtedly ling who was the more powerful of the two would have conferred this courteous distinction upon Li keen had not that person summoned to his side certain attendants who succeeded in frustrating ling in his high-minded intentions and in forcing him through the doorway in spite of his conscientious protests against the unsurmountable obligation under which the circumstance placed him conversing in this intellectual and dignified manner the strokes of the gong passed unheeded tea had been brought into their presence many times and night had fallen before the mandarin allowed ling to refer to the matter which had brought him to the place and to present his written papers and seals it is a valuable privilege to have so intelligent a person as the illustrious ling occupying this position remarked the mandarin as he returned the papers and not less so on account of the one who preceded him proving himself to be a person of feeble attainments and an unendurable deficiency of resource to one with the all-knowing lee keen's mental acquisitions such a person must indeed have become excessively offensive replied ling delicately for as it is truly said although there exist many thousand subjects for elegant conversation there are persons who cannot meet a cripple without talking about feet he to whom i have referred was such a one said Lee keen appreciating with an expression of countenance the fitness of ling's proverb he was totally inadequate to the requirements of his position for he possessed no military knowledge and was placed in command by those at peking as a result of his taking a high place at one of the examinations but more than this although his three years of service were almost completed i was quite unsuccessful in convincing him that an unseemly degradation probably awaited him unless he could furnish me with the means with which to propitiate the persons in authority at peking this he neglected to do with obstinate pertinacity which compelled this person to inquire within himself whether one of so little discernment could be trusted with an important and arduous office after much deliberation this person came to the decision that the commander in question was not a fit person and he therefore reported him to the imperial board of punishment at peking as one subject to frequent and periodical eccentricities and possessed of less than ordinary intellect in consequence of this act of justice the commander was degraded to the rank of a common bowman and compelled to pay a heavy fine in addition it was a just and enlightened conclusion of the affair said ling in spite of a deep feeling of no enthusiasm and one which surprisingly bore out your own prophecy in the matter. "'It was an inspired warning to persons who should chance to be in a like position at any time,' replied Lee Keen. So grasping and corrupt are those who control affairs in Peking, that I have no doubt they would scarcely hesitate in debasing even one so immaculate as the exceptional Ling, and placing him in some laborious and ill-paid civil department, should he not accede to their extortionate demands.' this suggestion did not carry with it the unpleasurable emotions which the mandarin anticipated it would the fierce instincts which had been aroused within ling by the incident in the cypress wood had died out while his lamentable ignorance of military affairs was ever before his mind these circumstances together with his naturally gentle habits made him regard such a degradation rather favorably than otherwise he was meditating within himself whether he could arrange such a course without delay, when the Mandarin continued. That, however, is a possibility which is remote to the extent of at least two or three years. Do not, therefore, let so unpleasing a thought cast darkness upon your brows, or remove the unparalleled splendor of so refined an occasion. Doubtless the accomplished Ling is a master of the art of chess-play, for many of our most thoughtful philosophers have declared war to be nothing but such a game, let this slow-witted and cumbersome person have an opportunity, therefore, of polishing his declining faculties by a pleasant and dignified encounter. End of section 4